Connect podcast from BAE Systems. Hi everyone, Hannah here and welcome to Connect, the podcast by and for colleagues at BAE Systems. To mark the coronation, we'll be telling our royal story in three chapters. How we're involved in the coronation itself, with some great comments on our support for the flypast. Our involvement in Royal Bat's innovative and world-class technology, touching on HMS Prince of Wales and Typhoon and reflecting on a visit to RAF Coningsby by Prince William and how we're supporting our veterans through our inspiring work with the charity Combat Stress. I'm joined by some brilliant guests, including Andrew Featherston, our heritage specialist, who has some great stories to share about our Royal Connections. Welcome, Andrew. Hi, Hannah. Hi. Nice to be here. And you're going to give us some fascinating facts throughout the podcast today. I hope so. Well, I'm really looking forward to hearing them. Can you give me your first one? Yeah, sure. So um, what people might not know is that Prince Charles actually learned to fly in one of our airplanes. So it's a de Havilland chipmunk. It was one of the, uh, a trainer plane that was developed by the Havilland Canada Company. Uh, and he learned to fly while he was an undergraduate at Cambridge University in uh, 1969, I believe. And what's even more interesting is it's the same type of plane that his father, Prince Philip, learned to fly in as well. Thanks, Andrew. Later, we'll ask all our guests what their most memorable royal moment is and why. So, Andrew, get thinking about yours. Let's welcome our other guests now. Jeff Harrison, CEO of Combat Stress. Hello. Hannah Lee Barber, a maritime engineer who worked on the upgrade of HMS Prince of Wales. Hello. Martin Topping, Typhoon Service Delivery Director. Hi, Martin. Hi, Hannah. Good to speak to you. And Sam Myatt, Head of Fleet Operations and General Manager from BA Systems at RAF Marham. Sam, you're part of the team that are making aircraft available for the Coronation Flypast. That's a really big responsibility. How long ago did the preparations start? The preparations started many, many months ago. Um, we at RAF Marham have a close affiliation with the royal family, with, with Sandringham being so close. There was an expectation for, on the military side of the, the base that there would be some commitment from the F-35 for the actual coronation. We work alongside our, our military partners and our other industry partners to ensure that the aircraft are available for, for this type of activity. The flypast itself is so precise, well-coordinated and choreographed. Just give us a bit more insight into the preparation for such a wonderful spectacle. What will happen is there will be a call from Air Command within the Royal Air Force and there'll be a, a tasking put on RAF Marham to produce a set number of air vehicles to be part of a flypast. The, the Combat Air Force headquarters will then assess that requirement. So generally, a number of air vehicles are identified to be the ones that, you know, we need X number of air vehicles to do a certain display. Um, and as time goes on, uh, the, the aircraft will be selected and the squadrons will work towards getting those air vehicles uh, available. From a BA systems point of view, once the force are there preparing those air vehicles for that tasking, we will become heavily involved from a field support engineer perspective on the squadrons where our employees will be there at the front line helping the the squadron engineers do the necessary thing to make sure that they've got enough air vehicles and spares of course to to ensure that they meet the commitment. When you watch a royal fly past with the aircraft in the skies above London and then coming over the palace itself how does it make you feel? Oh wow well that is a question and having been at RF Mara for for many years now um I've seen a fair number of fly-past practices and every time it, it really sort of, it just gets you in the chest really. It's, it fills you with pride on what you're doing on a day-to-day basis and it, it just shows you the, the end goal. The end goal normally is operations but when you see it as a fly-past it does give you that piece of pride and with myself being ex-military there's just that little 
extra bit of twang there as well. Thanks for joining us, Sam. Our next guest is Hannah Lee Barber, a maritime engineer who worked on the upgrade of HMS Prince of Wales and witnessed her leave for the first deployment. Hannah, tell us about the sort of work you've been doing on the HMS Prince of Wales carrier. So the sorts of work that we um, have been doing, some of it is um, surrounding uh, habitability for Queen Elizabeth and Prince of Wales, as crew welfare um, is really important to the Navy. So we assessed the build state of Prince of Wales, uh, particularly in the junior rates accommodation spaces, and then implemented the changes in build and after she arrived in Portsmouth to improve the standard of the accommodation on board. There are also elements of work surrounding safety. We have a responsibility to the escape and evacuation on board and crew safety. Uh, We also had kind of class alignment with Prince of Wales, uh, ensuring that all of the upgrades that we had already done on Queen Elizabeth were implemented on Prince of Wales to ensure that when she was commissioned, she was up to the same standard of capability as Queen Elizabeth. How did it feel to see her leave for deployment and return after a job well done? So it was a really proud moment because it's a real privilege to be able to work on the Prince of Wales aircraft carrier and I thoroughly enjoyed it, especially getting to see the stages from build to her first deployment. Um, And when she first leaves, it's such a key milestone that so many people work so hard to get to that point. And knowing that I was a part of that and made that happen Um, is a really special moment. Hannah, thanks ever so much for joining us. Now we're back with Andrew Featherston. What's your second fact? Right, thanks, Hannah. So we talked about Prince Philip and his connection uh, to the airplanes within our history. I thought actually people probably more associated Prince Philip with the naval career that he had. So the second one is HMS Wallace, and that was uh, constructed by Thornycroft and Company in Wollstone. So again, another of our historic associations. In 1943, he's involved in the invasion of Sicily to try and for the Allies to move up into Italy. Italy. He's not actually mentioned in dispatches for this, but there is an anecdote from another midshipman who's serving with him at the time who says that at the time he's the first lieutenant on the ship, so actually second in command. The, the ship's being attacked by a, a German bomber. It's night time. They can hear the plane circling around, coming back for another pass. It missed them the first time. And Prince Philip, at the time, talks to the captain. The next thing you know, they are constructing a raft on the ship. They release it into the ocean with some smoke floats, and which starts a fire. HMS Wallace steams off away from it, and they're hoping and praying that the bomber takes the raft as being a, a damaged ship. They hear the planes come overhead, they hear the bomber, they hear the bombs released, and it misses the ship, and it, they're aiming for the raft. And so... Prince Philip is recognised as being the person who had the idea to do that. So because of him, that ship was saved, which is an amazing fact. That's a really great fact. Moving on, we're now with Martin Topping, Typhoon Service Delivery Director at BA Systems. And I've heard that actually as part of your role, you hosted Prince William during his visit to RAF Coningsby last year. Can you tell me a little bit about that? I did, yeah. It was uh, it was quite a quick activity that came on. Um, the Prince was, was coming to Coningsby we formulated a visit plan uh, to host host the prince. Uh, it was a really exciting time for the team. Uh, so being able to bring him into our facilities, show him how BAE Systems conducts fantastic work in support of the RAF, enabling them to deliver aircraft to the front line, supporting what they do for NATO. Uh, and at that time, um, was were quite early on in the increased activity over in Eastern Europe. 
Talking of Prince William, he's a really big supporter of BA Systems Emerging Technology, isn't he, Martin? He absolutely is. Prince William's got history in the fact that he, he has flown Typhoon in his RAF career, so he, he understands the product. But equally, he, he's, he's massively versed in where the RAF are going and really, really engaging and interested in the technologies and the developments. Did anything in particular catch Prince William's eye as you were walking him around the station? Yeah, it did. I mean, we, we put on a little technology area and took the prints to that and he, he was able to to wear a number of the wearable technologies, some of the augmented reality goggles uh, and equally the what's known as the, the iron glove, which is a, a glove that, that augments pe- uh, an operator's grip, being able to grip. Thanks, Martin. Great to hear about what the prince got up to on his visit to Coningsby. Don't go anywhere, though. We need you a little bit later on to find out what your favourite royal moment has been. No problem at all. Thanks, Hannah. Jeff, let's have a chat with you now. Can you tell me a little bit about what Combat Stress does for former service men and women? Uh, Combat Stress is the UK's leading mental health charity for veterans, and that's all we do. We look after UK military veterans. We've been around a long time. It was formed just over 100 years ago, 1919, which obviously was just after the end of the First World War when veterans were coming back. And in those days, we said they had shell shock. Uh, but these days we would probably call it PTSD, and that's what we deal with. I'm really proud as a BA Systems employee that we've been able to support Combat Stress for so many years now. Can you give me a little bit of a reminder of sort of the things we've been doing to help support you? Once a year, in February each year, we hold an event which we call the Extra Mile Awards. The idea behind it is that it's for those people that have gone the extra mile to help us, particularly in raising funds. But this year, for the very first time ever, we gave a Lifetime Achievement Award and it went to this organisation. Uh, so it was there, it was, uh, it was collected by uh, Admiral Philip Jones on behalf of the, uh, the company. The reason it was done this year was that uh, it marked two great milestones. This was 20 years in a row that this organisation had supported uh, combat stress and it was also the time that uh, it added up to a total of £1 million that has been raised for combat stress. So two enormous milestones, and we are really, really grateful. Uh, in order in raising those funds, there was so much that had gone on. Uh, I'm, I'm told there was a running the runway at, uh, at Wharton. The digital intelligence team cycled from Guildford to Gloucester. So many people put up with the cold and wet and mud in doing a grim challenge. And that we had people rattling tins at Waterloo stations and, and others. So over the years, you have done so much for us and we, can, we could never be too grateful. The veterans and ourselves really thank you. Thanks, Jeff. That was really great to hear. And a really big thanks to you and your team. We're really excited to continue supporting you. Thank you so much for everything you do for us and for the veterans. As we near the end of the show... Let's ask all of our guests what their most memorable royal moment is. Martin, let's start with you. Obviously, Prince William's visit to RAF Coningsby was a, a, the most recent highlight. It was fantastic. Uh, but equally, I, I played a small part in the then Prince of Wales, the now King's uh, visit to Wharton back in 2006. So it, it does seem to be that uh, that Prince of Wales and, uh, and Martin Topping, we, we do tend to, uh, to meet up every now and again. And what about you, Jeff? I've only had a chance to talk to the King, or Prince Charles as he was then, on two occasions. The first was when he was uh, being a wonderful host to a, a fundraising campaign that we were just launching, the At Ease Appeal. And he walked around and talked to everybody. As he approached me, uh, he was he's such an engaging, charming man. Uh, he 
What he chose to say to me was that he was wearing one of our combat stress ties and he really didn't like the colours. And he was saying, I'm really not sure if it actually suits me. So we had a discussion about that. There's a great picture around of the two of us just laughing away at this, uh, at this small, quirky little thing. Uh, the second one, by pure chance, I was at a garden party at Buckingham Palace about three weeks later. Now, I know that the royals get to meet thousands and thousands of people, so I thought the chance of him recognising me or even seeing me was really, really slim. Somehow I managed to be in the group that Prince Charles walked up to to speak to, and I was thinking, will he remember me? His words were actually, not you again. <laughs> Such a lovely memory. Thanks so much, Jeff. Now over to Andrew, our heritage specialist. What's your royal memory? Yeah, so I've not been with the business very long. I've only started in August, so my memory's uh, something that happened to me personally before I worked for BA Systems. Um, In my previous role, I was lucky to be invited to a garden party at Buckingham Palace. So that was just an amazing honour to be there. And I saw Queen Elizabeth and Prince Charles and a couple of other members of the royal family. And just to be part of that event was, yeah, really filled with pride and a really nice thing to do. And, yeah, hopefully maybe happen again in the future who knows but yeah really nice thing to happen. Hannah what's your memorable royal moment? My most memorable royal moment was at work and it was after doing a task for the Commodore on Queen Elizabeth and he he invited me to have tea with him in the cabin with the captain mainly to discuss the work but it was such um, a moment for me quite early on in my career to have that opportunity and to be recognised for my work in that way was a real moment. Sam, do you have a memorable royal moment to share? Uh, Yeah, well, I've actually um, had the pleasure of meeting Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth on three occasions. One, when I was uh, very young and quite new into the military and was part of a a nominated crowd where she, uh, she came round we introduced ourselves to her, uh, and then with BA Systems at RAF Marham, I have had lunch in her presence twice. I wouldn't say I was sat next to her, but in in very uh, discreet environment of only about 10 tables of eight people on each table, and Her Majesty was there as well with the station commander on the, on the top table. Obviously, she gave speeches at that time. On one of our tables, we had her equerry. And just being able to talk to him as an individual, how he got on with Her Majesty and what it meant to him as well. It it is something that doesn't happen on a day-to-day basis. We're nearly at the end of our podcast, but I want to hear one more amazing fact from Andrew. Thanks, Anna. Well, it's just interesting to hear Sam there talking about what work goes into doing a fly-pass. So we've got some material here from the archive that shows a a fly-pass that took place in the last coronation in 1953. So we've got some amazing planes flying over Windsor Castle, they're part of the what was the Queen's Flight then, King's Flight. Uh, and my fact is that the actual King's Flight, when it's formed in 1936, was the world's first head of state aircraft unit. And obviously, BA Systems plane was one of the first planes used at the Havilland Dragon Rapide. But not only that, we had a long history of uh, supplying planes for the Royal Flight. And if you look here, we've got some photos of Prince Charles visiting British Aerospace Factory in Hatfield, trying out the flight simulation of the BA-146 that was handed over as part of the Queen's flight in 1986. And as he's leaving, he's presented with a model plane of the BA-146 itself. And I like to think that somewhere in Buckingham Palace, that model's still sitting on a shelf somewhere. They really are great pictures, and what an amazing fact to end on. That's it for this show. Thanks to all of our guests on our Royal Connections special podcast. We'll be back soon. In the meantime, from me, Hannah Booth, 
Thanks for listening and goodbye. Connect Podcast, back soon.